Welcome to the Compelling Words Podcast. The Word of God is meant to move us. It's meant to call us to action. Listen in as Kevin Purdy teaches and presents a genuine and compelling message from the Word of God. Well, the last few weeks I've been talking about what it looks like to live life on mission. What does it look like to be a Christian living your life on the mission that God has called us to. Because as Christians, we are called and given a mission that we are meant to accomplish. We're meant to grow and produce fruit. We are meant to expand the kingdom of God. We're meant to make disciples. But as we, as we struggle with that mission... Because we, we struggle with it because we get stuck spiritually. <clears throat> if you read the Gospels, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you'll notice that Jesus had a relationship with his 12 disciples. And as Jesus spent time with his disciples, with those 12 disciples, in the course of that time, that relationship grew. The relationship grew, and their spiritual maturity grew. So I've got four chairs up here on stage, four chairs representing the four stages of spiritual development that we've kind of been talking about for a few weeks. Now, we've got chair one, which is the curious seeker, chair two, which is the committed believer, chair three, the involved worker, and chair four is the engaged disciple-maker. Now, we've just qualified these four stages to kind of get a picture, an idea of what it might look like to grow and to develop spiritually. This is just an example, a visual representation of a spiritual maturing process that we can somewhat see with how Jesus helped develop the disciples as they grew spiritually. It's not absolute, it's not definitive, it's not a rigid, guaranteed process. It's just something that we can use to evaluate where we are spiritually, where we are, and where we can go next. It can help us to see how to grow and mature in living out our faith, in living out our mission. Last week, I talked about the people who haven't made it to chair one yet. Those that are lost, those that are outside of Christ, they're without faith and they're still accountable for their own sins. And I talked about also about those that are in chair one. They're still lost, but, it, but they're curious. They're seeking, they're considering the faith. They've kind of shown up to kind of see what it's about. But chair one and chair two, I mean, those prior to chair one and those in chair one are still both lost. Today I want to look, though, at chair two. Something really cool and really significant happens between chair one and chair two. That's where conversion happens. That's where a transformation takes place. That's where the lost become found. That's where the condemned become forgiven. That's where the sinner becomes a saint. That's where those who are apart from Christ come into a relationship 
with Christ. Salvation happens between chair one and chair two. That's the point where someone has heard about Jesus. They believe in who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. They believe that he is the son of God who died upon the cross paying for their sins. And they've made that decision to place faith in Jesus. They've embraced him as Lord and Savior. And they have submitted their life to him as Lord and Savior. They are now committed believers. They're in Christ. Acts 4.12 says, Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven by which we can be saved. Ephesians 2.8 says, For it is by grace that you've been saved. Through faith, this is a gift of God. Salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Chair two, just like chair one, is a place to learn. It's a place to learn. The New Testament uses a few words to describe new believers. And a couple of the words I want to focus on, two of those words. The first word is the Greek word that means an infant. And the other word is the Greek word that means child. New believers are often referred to in the New Testament as infants or children. John used that word for child a lot when he wrote the book of 1 John. He's writing to new believers in Christ and he used that term children a lot. In chapter 2 verse 1 he says, My dear children, I write this to you so that you'll not sin. In chapter 2, verse 28, he says, And now, dear children, continue in him. In chapter 3, verse 7, Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. 3, verse 18, Dear children, let us love with actions and in truth. In chapter 4, verse 4, You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them, because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Most of you know that my wife teaches second grade. If you've ever been around a teacher, you know that they come home with stories. They come home from their day teaching with stories because they spend their day around kids. Kids who are in their early and prime learning years of their lives. And as they learn, as they're trying to learn and figure this out, some funny stuff happens. Because they're just kind of figuring things out. Leanne came home the other day, and she said that one of, her, one of the boys in her class, these are second graders, one of the boys in her class was working on some, a homework sheet, and he came up and he said, Mrs. Purdy, look. And Leanne kind of teased him a little bit and acted like she wasn't looking, but then finally she looked, and he said, look at this, Mrs. Purdy, a nine and a six. And he goes, and watch this. And he turned the paper upside down. And then he goes, a six and a nine. And Leanne goes, that's really good. That's, the, you, that's good. I'm glad you noticed that. And then he goes, and look at this. And there was an eight and a three. And he goes, that three looks like half of an eight. <laughs> and she said, that's really good. You're, you're very observant. And he puffed up his chest and he said, I'm smarter than usual. <laughs> <clears throat> you know, as... as New believers, we are just like young children. We are are dependent upon others 
to teach us, to care for us, to help us. We need people to be role models, to mentor us, to lead us. And that's what the church body is meant to do. The church is a community of believers. And we're meant to encourage, to instruct, to train, to help believers grow and mature. Several years ago, the Kruger National Park in South Africa became overcrowded with elephants. And so their government sanctioned the legal hunting of adult elephants. And then they relocated the infant elephants to other parks. But as those young male elephants grew, they became very, very aggressive. In fact, in one instance, they killed over 30 rhinos in one park, brutally killed them. The situation was out of control. Park rangers were trying to figure out what to do. One park ranger decided to bring in a group of six adult male elephants into the park. Those big old bull elephants actually mentored the younger elephants And that unnatural aggression in those orphaned elephants lessened. In the church, long-time mature Christians are supposed to teach and train and mentor new young believers. That's what the community of the church is for. Teaching them to live, how to live out the faith, how to love the Lord and how to love others, how to represent Christ, how to live life on mission. The Apostle Paul mentored Timothy, and he traveled and he started several churches. And this is how the Apostle Paul defined his leadership. He said it like this He said, Follow me as I follow the example of Christ. Too often, All across this world, in the church, we have a struggle with this. Long-time Christians are not mentoring, not teaching, not discipling new believers. And I think most of the reason is because long-time Christians, personally, haven't grown up. That's a commercial from back in the day. I don't want to grow up. Unfortunately, I think in the church we've taken that too literal. We don't want to grow up. In the church, in our faith, that's a real problem. The Apostle Paul confronted that issue more than once. 1 Corinthians 3.1, he says, Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you're still not ready. You are still worldly. Paul says, I couldn't even teach you what I needed and what I wanted to teach you because you were still living like children. You should be learning so much more, but your faith is still so childish. In Hebrews 5, 11 through 14, it says, 
There is much more we would like to say about this, but it's difficult to explain, especially since you're spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. You've been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You're like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. You have been believers for so long, you ought to be teaching right now, but you still need someone to teach you. You still haven't even grasped the basic things about God. So let's talk about those basic things. What do believers need to learn so that they grow up? Well, what do children need to learn? One of the first things that children learn is who their family is. They know where they belong. They know who loves them. As Christians, we need to know who our family is. We need to know where we belong. We have a father who loves us very, very much. And we need to know our father. We have our brothers and sisters in faith, the church. We need to know and spend time with our brothers and sisters. We're meant to spend time with our family, to be there for each other. Now, our family has some unique traditions in how we are meant to live, some expectations of how we're meant to live. We should look like we belong in this family. There should be a resemblance to our Heavenly Father. We should look like we belong in the family. We should live like we belong in the family. As we grow in Christ, we should know the church more and more. That's our family. That's who we are. Our identity is in Christ. There's a movie out right now called Overcomer. In the movie, a Christian woman encourages a new young Christian to look up Ephesians chapter 1 and 2 and to circle the words that are used to describe who we are in Christ. Words like chosen, blessed, forgiven, included, redeemed, loved. You know, we need to know that we are not working towards a victory. We are, the victory has been won, and we are on the winning side. That's who we are in Christ. We have an identity that's secure. We have an identity that is chosen, blessed, forgiven, redeemed, included, loved. That's our identity. As children grow, they also learn how to walk and how to talk. Do you remember the excitement about seeing your child take their first steps? You smiled, you clapped, you got on the phone, you called people up and said, Hey, my kid just walked. You were excited about it. Those wobbly legs all of a sudden began to move. And the first steps were taken. And it wasn't long until walking became running and running became jumping. That's how it's supposed to be. And as Christians, we are meant to walk on our own. We shouldn't always need someone holding our hand. Do you remember the first words your child spoke? I remember when our son Kyle was little. He couldn't say his sister Jessica's name, so Kyle would always call her Jeje. Jeje. It was so cute. 
but it wouldn't be cute anymore. As we grow, our language is supposed to become more clear and understandable. How we talk reflects who we are. As Christians, our language should be filled with truth and with grace, compassion, kindness, but bold, courageous faith and conviction as well. Our words should be filled with praises for God and not anything associated with sin. James 3.10 says, Out of the mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. As we grow and mature, our walk becomes more like Jesus. As we grow and mature, our talk becomes more like Jesus. Another sign of maturity for our children is when they learn how to stay clean. We call it potty training. It's a very, very important part about growing up. A friend of mine just recently learned that they were expecting their fourth child. They had not planned for four kids. And as he was talking to me about it, he said, diapers, diapers again. I thought we were done with diapers. (laughs) Cleaning messy kids is not a fun part of parenting at all. I I never handled it very well. I have a very weak stomach when it comes to that kind of stuff. But let me tell you, too many Christians struggle too much staying clean. Too many Christians struggle too much staying clean. Too many Christians are content to sit in their mess. The Bible tells us to rid ourselves of sinful habits. 1 Thessalonians 4, 7 reminds us that God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. A holy life means that we set ourselves apart and we're letting God clean us up. It doesn't mean we're perfect or spotless. It doesn't mean that we never mess up. But what it does mean is that our mess bothers us and we don't like it. So we do our best to stay clean. Finally, one more thing to talk about when it comes to growing up. At some point, children need to learn how to feed themselves. Children sit in high chairs, and they get spoon-fed soft foods. And sometimes the elderly might need to be fed. But between childhood and those late life stages... We ought to be feeding ourselves. Maturity and proper development means that we can do that. Most of you know that our daughter Jessica recently graduated from college and took a full-time job and is living in Tennessee. Just a few days ago, uh, Jessica sent out a text to all the moms in our families, in our family, um, I'd like to share this text with you. Now, mind you, this comes from a 23-year-old girl who just graduated college and moved into her own apartment. This is what her text says. She wrote this to Leanne, to her two aunts, to her grandmother. This is what she says. She says, hello, mothers in my fam. As you may know, I've recently become a real adult with a grown-up job. Part of being an adult, and apparently an important part, is making sure I keep myself alive. In order to do this, 
I'm going to have to learn how to make food. More than just cakes and boxed mac and cheese. Pretty sure I'll die if that's all I live off of. You guys have been doing a pretty good job of keeping yourselves alive for a while, and I know you know how to make more than just boxed mac and cheese. So I have questions. Do y'all, I can say that because I live in Tennessee now, do y'all have an easy beginner level, level recipes for meals that will sustain me as a human doing normal human things? I have a fancy dancy crock pot I can cook things in, so crock pot recipes are great but not necessary. Thanks in advance for your help in keeping me alive. <laughs> Being an adult means that you should be able to feed yourself. Being mature, having grown in the faith, means that you don't depend on being spoon-fed your spiritual nourishment. My blood pressure raises up a little bit. I mean, honestly, I get bristled a lot when I hear longtime Christians complain that they aren't being fed. Man, that bothers me when I hear that. Seriously, when I hear that, what I picture is I picture a child sitting in a high chair crying out, feed me. There is a point and there is a time for young, new Christians to be somewhat dependent on being fed. We need nourishment at every phase of spiritual growth. But as we grow, we become less dependent on that coming from someone else. I mean, it's good, it's good to share a meal with people. It's even good to have, one, to have someone cook and prepare that meal for you. But it is very grown up and mature to feed yourself most of the time. As a church, we should be helping you learn how to feed yourself. We should be giving you recipes, teaching you how to make your own good meals. But don't expect the church to be spoon-feeding you all the time. When the Apostle Paul said, I wanted to give you meat, but you could only handle milk, he was frustrated because his ministry was limited. His ministry was limited, it was hindered, because the Christians that he was writing to just wanted to sit back and be fed. That's all they wanted to do, was just sit back and be fed by someone else, by the church. They were unwilling to learn. They didn't listen. They didn't apply what they'd been taught. They were not growing and maturing. They were not serving. They were not teaching. They were expecting everybody else to do that for them. I once had a professor in college who called this spiritual constipation. He said, we take it in and we feed and we feed, but we never let it out. We never let the nourishment fuel us and it becomes waste. So chair two, we've accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior. We are committed believers We are comfortable with our faith. Sometimes, though, we get too comfortable. Chair two becomes a recliner. And we kick back and we settle in. And that's where we stay. It's a comfortable place. But here's the thing. It's okay to sit for a little bit. But let's not get too comfortable. 
Because that's not where we're supposed to settle. We need to grow up. I hope we are growing up. I hope that we are learning. Learning about the family that we belong to. Learning about the Father who loves us and leads us. Learning how we are supposed to walk and how we are supposed to talk. Learning about how to stay clean. Learning how to feed ourselves. Moving from chair one to chair two is huge. It's like moving from the dark and into the light. It's going from lost to found. It's from being guilty to being declared innocent. And that's only possible through the gift of grace. Jesus paid the price for our sins. We didn't have to earn it. You see, we don't have to grow up enough to prove ourselves responsible. God says this, God says, I'll bring you into my family because I love you. And when you are with me and in my family, that's where you can grow up. And I hope you do grow up. We will be there to teach you, to help you, to be right alongside with you as you continue to grow and mature in the faith. But please don't stay a child forever. Grow up. That's what you're meant to do. Please stand with me as I pray. God, what a challenge to recognize that we are meant to grow and develop spiritually. It's more than just a belief. It's an allegiance. We're meant to follow. We're meant to become like your son, Jesus. We're meant to love you and to love others and to live out that faith, to expand the kingdom, to make disciples. God, I pray that each and every one of us continue to learn, to seek out ways to learn, to develop our faith, to spend time with other Christians, to never settle with where we're at, to stretch ourselves, to get up and move. God, help us to mature in the faith so we can take on more of the meat, more of the nutrition that we need and not just sit there with a bottle in our hand drinking milk. God, I pray for that. Give us the willingness to listen, to apply, to learn, to live the faith. In Jesus' name, amen.